you need to connect with people. When you connect with people, they no longer work for uh, the outcome. They work for the vision. They believe in the purpose. This is Rashif Daswani and welcome to Chapters of My Life podcast. So what is actually Chapters of My Life podcast? First of all, I want you to imagine your past life right now in front of you. Well, where should I start? Well, imagine you need to write your life story in form of a book already. It's a challenge itself and honestly speaking, I barely have never thought about this because we always think we have to be old, 70, 80, 9 years old to look back and to be able to write a biography. But in fact, we have so many experiences ready to share already with others. Achievements, failures to learn from, positive and negative life transitions, which in the end lead to the person we are today. This Chapters of My Life podcast is an inspiring collection of life transitions packed into a podcast audiobook format, capturing the willpower and belief of people doing important life-changing decisions. And we interview innovators, athletes, entrepreneurs and idealists, giving insight into their past life from a young age till today. Are interviewed by me, Daniel Ludwig, and by Daniel Ludwig. Finding your why. That's pretty much the summary of the great podcast interview with Rashif Daswani, CEO of Mind, Body, Soul, the Happiness Center. He is not just an entrepreneur keynote speaker, happiness consultant, actor, transformative leadership, and happiness coach. No, but also who aims to connect with every person. Being authentic is key for him. Something he implemented from early age onwards in his businesses, but also at his work at the Mind, Body, Soul Happiness Center to support clients to truly find their why. Rashid's life's book called Fill in Your Purpose and got five chapters. It's more about building the true foundation to be able to grow who you want to be and I emphasize on to be. Rashid's career stretches from coach over entrepreneur towards acting which lead him to roles in movies with incredible actors such as Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. Fill in your purpose and a truly long conversation all about foundation, exploration, discipline and doing to be. Find your inner peace in everyday busy work life. Here we go. Enjoy. So here we are. Thank you so much for taking the time, Rashid. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. So first of all, I'm going to be honest. When I, today in the morning, I woke up, I prepared for the interview. I also checked your Instagram page. All right. And Excellent. <laughs> and I was really um, inspired by what you actually posted today. Thank you. You said, um, start each day or laugh from your heart. That's right. When was the last time you were laughing? from your heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, um, the most important thing is to be authentic. And, and in everything that we do, whether we say it, we type it, uh, we must live it first, Daniel. So if, if you can, um, every one of my posts that you see on Instagram are things that are very dear to me. And, and the only way that they can really be dear to someone else is when they come from the space of the heart, right? When they're authentic. Um, so that's why that one was really interesting because that was a picture taken of me at um, my cousin's wedding yeah. and um, I don't remember what was being said at that point 
but you know, it was really funny, and and I was um, I was laughing, and, and my wife is like, well, all the lines on your face can be seen, and you know, she yeah. she was like yeah. giggling about how much I'm aging, right? Yeah. And I said, that's great. I'm actually going to use that one. And she goes, what? I said, well, I'm going to post this because <laughs> we see so many people laughing, but in today's world, it's almost like everything has reason, mm-hmm. and and even something as simple as a smile or a laugh has has been has become used as tactic mm-hmm. or tactical, right? Yeah. And and I think. That's what I want to kind of bring awareness to is that, you know, to be yourself, you have to literally be. And that allows you to do that through everything you do. And even when you laugh, you know, do it consciously, laugh, go yeah. out there and do it from the heart, you know. You mentioned something very interesting. You say you be yourself. Actually, Absolutely. so many trying to be someone Correct. in a society. I think we're going to touch base that later in the conversation Absolutely. as well. But everyone trying to be someone rather yes. than being yourself. Correct. And that's, this is something very important, which you actually touched base right now as well. Um, so, one year ago, that was the very first time I heard about Mind, Body, Soul, uh, in other words, the Happiness Center, and here in Dubai, and I googled it, and I realized, hang on a second, it's just two towers away from me, it's literally right. three minutes walking. Right. I'm like, how on earth I could not have heard about it. I started at that time a little bit meditation, uh, Ashtanga yoga and so on. And then I, I met Maria, Maria Pats. And right. that was one of the very first podcast interviews uh, I did um, in order to actually understand a little bit more about what is the happiness center? What, in, in a place, I will be honest with you, in a place where you don't expect um, a different definition of happiness. Here in Dubai, um, there is a ministry of happiness. That's right. It might be a different definition of happiness, but usually when we define happiness, it's the two categories. Uh, shopping happiness, short-term happiness, right. or long-term happiness, but comes truly from the inside. Correct. I realized happiness center is coming really from the inside, from the pure inside, finding the inner strengths. That's right. And in fact, I wanted to interview you last year. Okay. Over time, I thought, how about we're going to do it after one year, after Maria? Right. It's exactly one year ago. So I thought, how about I following up with you as a co-founder to understand what is the progress of mind, body, soul, but oh, also to know the person behind. I remember from last year, um, you are not just the co-founder of mind, body, soul, happiness center. You're also an entrepreneur, right. actor, model, and actually you call yourself chief happiness officer. Right. And on the website, everyone is chief happiness happiness officer. So, do you have other titles as well? Or what do you think about titles in general? Okay, beautiful. <laughs> I think beautiful questions. And I think you know the answer in that question itself. Um, you know, the most beautiful thing about this, when I founded um, the Happiness Center almost two years ago, um, it, it really came out of, um, this is a project of passion, Daniel. Um, as an entrepreneur, I'm involved in a lot of things. Um, and one of the things that I saw was that uh, in business, uh, with engineering companies and all the other things I'm interacting with, um, it's become very process-oriented. Yeah? And there was a, there was a disconnect with uh, the human within. And I couldn't understand how in a world where everything is moving, progressing at this mm-hmm. fast pace, and where everyone is well, literally physically connected with telephones and, and, and all kinds of gadgets, yet they were 
I've never seen a time when people are more disconnected than ever before. Yeah. And um, as an entrepreneur, that was my biggest challenge, was that no matter what I did, whether it was um, uh, the small things at work uh, to keep my team happy, uh, or the larger things uh, to keep our clients happy, right? Um, there was always a reason for someone to not be happy. And I would always ask myself, what is it? What is it? Why is it that people are driving, they're cutting people off? Or why is there sometimes you walk on the street and no one's smiling back, yeah. right? Um, or the quick acknowledgement of someone, just yeah. a quick nod or a, you know, a greeting, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so I asked myself, I said, you know, as, as a father, I got two kids. I got a, a seven and a, and a, and a four-year-old. And this before I had them, I said, hey, you know, how can we have a world with kids growing up where even though there's so much connection in a physical way, there is so much disconnection between humans. Mm -hmm. So the Happiness Center was founded from that point of view, was to create two things. One was to create the, um, I like to say, to humanize the corporate space. Mm -hmm. That was the first thing I wanted to do. Yes. Is I need to, I know the process is important, but we need to create humans first. So humanize the corporate space. And then the most important thing, Daniel, that I realized is each one of us are unique. So if we can hold the space, just hold the space without having any other ambition. Allow the person the need, whatever he mm. has to do to get there. And there is defined by what is needed by them, not by what we are trying to get. Mm. So to, to answer your question, do I believe in titles? Honestly, no. I think that as long as you can come across who you are, right? That by itself is more than the definition someone needs to see. Right? That's definitely something I would not have expected differently from the answer. <laughs> definitely. The longest answer to the shortest yes. question. <laughs> so, um, because when I did further research, I'm going to talk a little bit further later on, also walking through your childhood and how you actually, you know, sure. came to the, a different kind of um, work you, you're doing currently. I was also wondering when I saw online, uh, you know, Entrepreneur Act or Model, and I and I want to talk a little bit more about that potentially book, the life book about you, okay. when you're looking back in your life now. In what section in the library where I've, where would I find your book? Would I find it in the well, love drama that section? Would I find it in the entrepreneurship business section? Would I find it into a self-help section? Mm. Or would I find your life book in which section? I in love, the, I love, the, I love that question, Daniel. In I, the I, offer a two for one book section, <laughs> <laughs> special discount section. Take this book free, please. please. <laughs> um, no, it's funny you say that. Um, you know, I, I, I truly believe that that each one of us has an opportunity and power. Um, so if I could be in a section that helps people empower themselves. Um, then that would be the section I would want to be in. So call it self-help or motivation or um, anything that, that truly allows them to not be dependent on anybody else. Mm -hmm. I believe that one of the biggest missions that I am on is not only empowering people, but to help them become independent so they can go within, you know. Um, everybody has their own answers, you know. This world has... Um, has got a lot of experts in everything nowadays, right? With, with uh, YouTube, you've got experts for finance and, and health, et cetera, et cetera. And it yeah. almost feels like um, people are following, you know, trends, right? Yeah. And, and they forget that they have the inner knowing. Yeah. Right? The and answer I, is actually inside you already. It absolutely yeah. is. Yeah. And, and we have it in our body. And if we can just allow ourselves the opportunity to listen, then you really... Uh, 
can answer a lot of the questions that you have you know, for, for yourself and for others. Listening is a very good keyword what you mentioned. Many actually have already the answer often yeah. towards a conversation. And when you are in a conversation with someone, you already have the answer before even that other person finishes talking. That's true. And you can see that so many times. We not even spend time enough to listen what right. the person says. It's true. There is a very interesting, most probably you know that, a very interesting TED talk um, from someone. Um, he said something similar to when you're listening to someone carefully, you learn more than when you tell them what you already know. And that's very true. Absolutely. That's very, very true. So, you mentioned actually the section, the self-help section. What, what do you think about the word self-help? Because I, you know, I know a few people who work in the same field, but they not necessarily can resonate to the word self-help. Is it something <laughs> where you say, I don't mind if it's self-help, or is it... Well, I mean, uh, the thing is, is, I believe that, that everything has balance. We spend a lot of time as people looking at how we can help other people. Right? How can we be of use? The average person feels very proud when someone comes to them and says, hey, can you help me with something? Yet, we don't know how to receive it. Right? And most of the times, where is it that we are the most judgmental? It's when we are criticizing ourselves. Mm -hmm. Right? So, the first step to helping is creating awareness, self-awareness, right? To go into the self-awareness. So, what, when you look at the, at the word um, self-help, you're helping yourself do what, right? So is it create awareness? Is it move forward? Well, to move forward, the first step is really to identify, to, to create that deeper knowing, that awareness, and then work towards a solution, right? Whatever that solution is. So, yeah, absolutely nothing wrong with self-help. I think it's, it's, you have to be open to it. I start with self-awareness. Absolutely, absolutely. The word help yeah. is, is not a bad thing. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's something which allows you, I've always believed this, is you have to be a graceful giver and you have to be a very graceful receiver. And, and many people are okay with the giving because mm -hmm. in culturally, in, in most cultures, it's, it's always the bigger thing to give. Mm -hmm. um, but for every person who can give gracefully, you have to equally have a person who can receive gracefully. Yes. And that's a, that's a talent that everybody has to nurture as well. You're touching something very interesting with like giving. giving. Many give in order to get something in return. Correct. So many, you know, reflect and say, yes, of course, I will give, I give whatever, knowledge and time, etc. Right. Always something in return. And that's already is misleading when it comes to actually giving. Correct. Giving from your heart. Correct. It's not necessarily giving from what is coming in return, that you personally uh, benefit. It's very interesting that you mentioned that about that. And I love what you stated. Yeah. I love what you stated. In fact, I'll just add a point to that. I yeah. think it, it's, that's the difference between authentic giving mm -hmm. And, and not having that expected return, you know? And I think that's when you can, that, that's why you can always tell those people when they, when they do something from the heart, they say that energy travels before words do. Yes. Right, and you just know from that space. You can see that, yeah. Tell me about it in my work right now, it's entrepreneurship. <laughs> Everybody is actually looking into what, what's in it for us, rather than actually collaboration. Um, when we starting to share knowledge, regardless of what age, can prevent so many, I would not say mistakes, actually you should go for mistakes, but actually we can learn from each other, having this open mindset as well. And also to give back actually, to actively give back without asking for return. 
Brett, I'm just going to imagine myself right now being in a section of self-help in front of me, and I grab your book. What do I see on the cover? What do I see when it's a book about yourself in your past life? What would I see on it? What is it a picture? Is it a shape? What is the cover looking like? Hmm. The front picture. Again, you, you, you got me. I think your questions are, are <laughs> tough there, Daniel. <laughs> and that's the reason why I did not send you the questions before. I love it. This is the best way, to be, best way to be no authentic. No preparation. Right? Exactly. So here's my answer. Uh, one that is probably unique. Um, I would love it to be a reflective cover. Reflective a cover. Reflective so cover. you see yourself. You see yourself. Interesting. So similar like a mirror. Exactly. Mm. The whole idea of... of Having a life where you can empower someone else, it's not about telling them what I know. It's allowing them to find out what they know and what they need. Which actually resonates a lot with the section itself, you help, to help exactly. themselves rather than being dependent on someone else. Exactly. Interesting. Very interesting, actually. Very interesting. Um, I'm curious actually about the first page. So when you usually open the book, you see a thank you note. Mm. Everyone is dedicating their book towards a person, towards the family, towards someone who's very close to their heart. Mm. When you look to, back to your life, who, do you, who are you thankful most? Oh. Uh, well, I mean, in my case, uh, I really think that this whole journey started with uh, my sons. Uh, when Raul was born, uh, I think the whole world changed for me. Uh, we had a, a really interesting journey with kids. I mean, we, it took us about uh, 10 years into our marriage to finally have kids. And I didn't realize uh, what a gift it really is. And uh, when he came, he came with so much spirituality. Uh, it really made me evaluate life and life's purpose. Uh, so for sure, it would be dedicated to them, surely. Brilliant. I think kids also show you a part which often adults keep forgetting, being curious. Absolutely. And trying out certain things without overthinking. Absolutely right. Being and mindful and in the moment. Yeah, yeah. This is, I think this is so many times when I, you know, I love working with not just young people, but with kids. Yeah. Kids actually can teach you something rather than the adults can teach young kids. Something which we keep forgetting. Absolutely right. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. Daniel, I always say that um, the biggest masters in my life have been my kids. I continue to learn every single day um, what real happiness is, especially when they're young. I mean, at, at, at a certain age before they get, um, I, I don't want to say into the real world, but before they get exposed to a lot of stimulation outside, stimulation outside, mm -hmm. it, it's the purity of how they really are mindful throughout life. And I remember when, when my kid turned one, you know, it was they eat when they're hungry, they play when they want to play, they cry. There is no... Um, expectation from the world. It's just living. And in imagine, the moment. In the moment. In the moment. And imagine this is what all of us in our adulthood uh, have really forgotten. You mentioned something. Um, on, on the website, on, on, on the um, Mind, Body, Soul website, you mentioned a quote saying, the key treasure is in making moments. Absolutely. And when you just when I just link that to 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 your sons, actually, you're creating moments mm -hmm. with your sons. 
Absolutely. And for every second you're spending with them, creating memories. That's absolutely right. That's very true. I think when we're living in the moment as well, we keep focusing on what's important in life rather than what's supposed to be in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely true. What young kids actually can tell us, experimenting in the moment. Um, when it comes to the table of content, when it comes to like chapters in life, often we look back and say, okay, we didn't see the connection between the chapters. Often when we look back, we actually can connect the chapters. Sometimes in life you have to go through something before you actually reach the other chapter. And you cannot go to that certain chapter in life before you're not experienced and actually learned certain uh, areas in your life. When I see the very first chapter in your life, um, what would I read in that book? Would I read something about your childhood? What would, what would be the first message in the, in the first chapter? Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I, love, I love the question from so many angles because who are we, right? Yes. I mean, I guess the first chapter would be kind of a, a real summary of who I am before I talk about my childhood. Um, it would just allow you know, the reader to understand that uh, what is it really, what is it that makes me tick? Because I think a lot of times when we read books uh, or when we listen to stories, we start building in uh, a picture and we're trying to fill in the dots. And when books start from the very beginning of someone's life, you wait till the very end to find out what was he all about? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yes, 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 yes. Right? Yeah. But it, I think it's a lot more intriguing when, when in the first chapter you get to know exactly what he's about and then you start to uncover the colors as to how did he get there. Yeah, so, so like a proper hero story. So, so like you see actually what is the end result, but hmm. how would that end result? Yeah, I, I think I, I, I wasn't thinking the word hero, but... Uh, <laughs> the hero story, like a right, storytelling, right. the hero, story. hero yeah, story, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I think the ultimate <laughs> is everybody here in life, if you were if you were to define someone's life, mm -hmm. you can define it as the purpose. What was the purpose of their life? Yeah. Right. And, and we have billions of people that are born and, and, and obviously pass over. And in this process, we remember recall a few mm. because their purpose was grand, right? Right. So ultimately, it's it's what was that purpose? And if every single person in this world lives that way, to just identify what is that purpose they're living for? Yeah. It never comes down to the eye. It's always grand. It's always something beautiful. It's always a movement that 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 helps you know helps empower everyone. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't have to, I remember, I remember someone asking me this question, it was, oh, well, everybody has to be the most important person. I said, well, that's not really true. You could just be the one that passes on the flashlight. Mm. But at that point in time, that was the most beautiful thing that was needed in order for this to move, right? Mm. For someone else to be able to show the light, if you can just pass on the torch, that's fantastic. So everybody has purpose. Yeah. And if the message goes right out there in the first page, you can say, what was he about? What was the purpose of this yeah. life? That empowers someone else. So, I love that first chapter is actually a summary of the purpose behind it. It reminds me very similar to Ikigai, Ikigai, Ikigai Japanese sure, methodology. Because what's actually important in life, in the end of the day, it's the people you love and you build everything around. Absolutely. It's very similar. 
But what would I read now in this first chapter? When you say it's a summary, what would it be in your case? When you say purpose, would it be... Would it be what so, is it? Uh, so I don't know if you've had a chance to look at um, my LinkedIn, but one of the things that uh, I, I threw out there, and I said, to empower people through all that I do. And um, because it's very confusing, isn't it? They say, well, what do you do? You do so many different things. And I said, well, that's the whole purpose here, is, is to empower people through everything I do. If I do it authentically, then every single thing that I've done and I continue to do should enable someone to make a better life choice, enable someone, uh, others to, to sort of see ways that they can actually live purpose in their life. To speak about purpose is important, but to live purpose is so much more important than you. And if you can do it through what you do, regardless of what it is, yes. it can literally empower others. Because those people that in your life may have played mm -hmm. an important role, and every one of us has those people, more than what they said is how they demonstrated it through their actions that mm -hmm. energized us to go, wow, this is so beautiful. Yeah. And in my life, there's been, I mean, there's, there's no interaction that is not beautiful, right? I mean, today, this interaction is mm -hmm. beautiful, right? Yes. So I'm empowered by you just by sitting here and talking to you. Yeah. Just because what you do as well is empowering, right? And that's based with purpose as well. So it goes back to, I'm doing this because I love doing this because it's what I want to do at this point in time. When you say the word empowering, it's actually sending out energy. Correct. That's what I can see. When you, also, what you just mentioned about acting what you say rather than just saying it. Absolutely. It sends energy out which is transformative for the other person as well. Very similar. I mean, I currently are sitting with you right now. I can see that that energy sending out mm. is energy where you feel. You not just have to believe, but also you need to act on. And it's very important. It's very interesting. Very interesting. Um, but now I'm curious about the next chapter. So <laughs> before the next chapter, actually, I want to know what would be the title of this first chapter? When you say it's a summary, it's the purpose, what would be the title? So when I see in the table of content, what would be the title of this first chapter? Hmm. I know my, the questions are really difficult. You're initially no, it, forcing it, to write a book on the spot. <laughs> right, right. No, I think it's fantastic. You know? I mean, it, it's, it really is, uh, you know, I, I think it just be who I am, you know, that, that who I am. Who I am. I think those three words are very powerful um, and very, very um, reflective. People don't ask that question long enough or hard enough. Um, you know, separating the who from the I and the am. Jump in. <laughs> I just wanted to say something that reminds me. Probably know Mind Valley? Yes. Mind Valley. Um, the CEO of Vision, I met him in October last year. He kept emphasizing a lot that we should remind ourselves to say, I am enough. Correct. I am enough. It's right. And it's literally a part of that time. I am enough. Yeah, absolutely. When you ask yourself who you are, mm -hmm. actually you are already enough. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, but I love the word, I love putting the word who, because when you say who in this particular case, mm -hmm. um, it's allowing the reader to understand and reflect, this is who this person is, right? And like mm -hmm. you said, I am enough. Yes, you are. You are enough. And the person reading is enough as well. Yeah. And, and that's why when you ask that question, you allow them to ponder, what, you know, what is it that I'm doing? Who am I? And, and this, is, this is when the deeper actions start to happen, right? 
self-reflection really allows you to be inquisitive and allows you to go deeper into yourself and say, okay, these are questions. Yes, I am enough, but do I recognize that? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And what does it take to recognize that? What's that missing gap, right? So ask those questions, absolutely, ask yeah. them. Interesting. Now a little bit more about your personal life, chapter two. So when you mentioned, you mentioned it uh, just a few minutes ago, chapter two could start with your childhood. Right. So tell me a little bit about your childhood. What, how do people remember you first of all? Hmm. as a child because often as a child you have different impressions than sure. parents remember you and right, you know, right, people right. around you how do people remember you as a child well I mean I've always been very talkative as you can tell <laughs> <laughs> so I mean it started very early so that's definitely a trait of mine um, I think I always um, my sister says more than anybody else is I always seek attention so I was always uh, I was always cracking jokes and being funny and, and you know, um, so that, that's something which I, I've always kind of loved. I'd love to see people laugh and smile if, if I could. Um, and as a kid, I think that was something which I always did, is, is that was really important to me, was to make sure that people around me are happy, right? Yes. Um, I grew I was born and raised in Spain, uh, Daniel, and, and I live with mom and dad and I have a sister. So it was four of us. Um, and, and, I, and those times for me, Uh, were really beautiful because I, you know, as a kid when you're surrounded by this kind of love, um, it really allows you to be who you are. You know, I was always, I was, um, both my parents have always encouraged me to just be who I am, you know. And, and that was something which I found uh, has been one of the most grounding things in my life, yeah. Um, and and uh, expressing love has always been something that's been welcome, right? Mm. Right. So even though we're Indian, um, And in, in Indian families, it tends to be very, you know, uh, subtle when it comes to making statements like, oh, I love you, and, and all these things, right? We don't show it as, as, in, as in the West, you could say. But one of the things is that when you live in a nuclear family and you grow up in a nuclear family, you know, your family is your world, right? Correct. And, and that's, I think that's such a special time for kids. And, and this is why I always say that as parents, you know, the time that you spend with your children you know, is so precious. And, and it's not about doing things. It's just be there, you know, just be there. And, and no matter what you do, you could just be sitting together doing whatever, the smallest things. But those are the memories you remember. Those are the moments that are precious. It's not about, you know, what we did in that time. It's the fact that that time was ours, right? Hmm. Um, so, so those are bonds that, that really become cherished throughout life. My sister and I, we fight all the time. We argue all the time, right? But ultimately, the closest person to me, apart from my parents, would be my sister because she was my partner in crime as a kid growing yes, up, right? Yes, yes. Um, and we giggle and laugh and, 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 and do all the silly things all the time. But um, So surely, my, that was really things that I always look back at. And, and uh, uh, every time I, I go back to that place, it, it, in my head, it's a really good place to be in. It's, it's a place that I feel always very happy. Yes. Um, so when you say you were very talkative, you, would you also define yourself or would you see yourself, looking back, very curious? You were very curious, you questioned things, you really wanted to know the answer to it? Or do you want to more entertain other people? Because you mentioned about happiness, do you like to make other people laugh? 
Right, right. Through right. Talk. What, what, is the, what is the definition of the talking? Is it through entertaining or through asking questions? What is it? I think it was a bit of both, Daniel. I mean, I, I always was curious. I continue to be curious. You know, I think you never get too old to ask questions and, and learn. Yes. Um, it's just I was always fascinated by things generally, right? So, oh, that's interesting. Why? So uh, the ever-ending why, I never knew I'd be coached and that would be a useful question to know, but uh, it was something which I always asked. I always asked, why is this, why is that? But apart from that, uh, yeah, it was also the entertaining element. It was also the, the, the fact that for some reason, it just felt good for, you know, to participate in, in, in a journey where people around you are just happy because you're there and, and you're, you're creating that moment as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, I think I was very conscious of that as a kid, right? And it's carried through throughout my adulthood as well. So. so would you say you also had a lot of freedom to express yourself, to figure out things in Spain? Absolutely, in Spain? absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think I've been blessed with um, not only a, a supporting family, an extended family, uh, but even, even, even the schools since I was in, uh, living in Spain, it's a very family-oriented culture as well. Yeah. And I think it, it, really, it really helped. It definitely did. It was um, always encouraged to be me. And that was the most beautiful thing, I think. Looking back, do you remember specific moments where you say that was a typical me in my childhood? That was a typical me at that age. That's what I did. So typical me, embarrassing, positive. Do you remember? Certainly. Oh God, yeah. I, 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 um, I said this is a perfect, perfectly me. You know, I, if you ever heard of a reincarnation, which I find really funny, but I was going to say that I see my son right now, and he is a little mini me in a way, right? But what? What's going on, right? <laughs> so I used to live football, right? I mean, okay. I'm from, I mean, uh, born in Malaga, but I live in Barcelona. And, and I, I mean, I literally was always in my Barca kid. And, and I was out, I mean, whenever we had a chance, we'd be playing football, right? And I see my son today wearing his messy outfit running around and I go, oh my God, right? But there was never a time, no matter what we were wearing, no matter where we are, if we got three or five minutes in between, we would have a football and we'd be playing football, right? And Uh, at those days, a really funny story was in those days, there would be this, after he scored this goal, there was these players, uh, I, I want to say Carrasco and, and these players back in the, in the 80s, um, they used to slide after every goal. So mm -hmm. they score and they go slide, right? It was this really cool slide. And we used to emulate that. So every time we score, we go and slide. So now you're wearing nice pants at a party, <laughs> you know, your yeah. mom has dressed you up, and you come back and all of us had these holes in our knees. <laughs> all, all of us, I mean, every kid. And it, I think it was that era. So I don't know if, if you would have ever seen these, but there was patches they made. Yeah, yeah, there were these yeah. patches they yeah. made that, put, that used to stick onto these jeans. Yes, and, yes, and, yes, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. Because all the kids would yes, go and yes, slide, Yeah, so when I think, that's a thought that always comes to me, is how we would find any space to go play football. Yeah. And I'm seeing that again in my son, and I go, oh my God, it's, it's, and my wife's complaining, right? Yeah. Oh, It's, it's, yeah, it's funny. So would you say you were also a competitive person where you say play football or more time a team player where you're more like just playing for the sake of fun or? You know, it's funny. It's really, really funny. I, I, um, I loved sports and I know that my wife says, oh, I, I know you like to win. But you know, the, the weirdest thing is I really always believed in um, teamwork. I always believed in passing the ball. I never wanted to be the number 10. My favorite number was number seven. And, and now Raul's favorite number is number seven. And um, you know, the funny thing is, I, I was happy as long as we played. And you know, passing the ball was 
the second nature. I, I love passing. I thought it was a must. It's fun to see someone pass the ball and a perfect pass and someone scores. But it's equally fun scoring. So don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is that as as I realized at a very young age that it's so much fun to play, yeah. right? And we just wanted to play. So it didn't make a difference where you put us. Right? And you just said we. Right. We love to play. Exactly. You, know, you actually exactly. put the word team indirectly Absolutely. in the words. Absolutely. And, and every kid out there at those times, I remember, it was, it was, just, it was good to be together. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. 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 So yeah, it was often. Awesome. Actually, awesome. you're creating time together. If it's 90 minutes, if it's 10 minutes, half exactly. an hour, spending exactly. time together exactly. in that moment. Because I'm pretty sure no one thinks about all the other problems around you in that moment you play football. I think it's very similar to our kind of sport. You shutting yourself down and to just focus on one aspect. That's right. Something That's right. sport can actually do. When it comes to the first chapter, um, how, lo how long did you, you grow up in Spain? Mm -hmm. How long did you uh, So So we were there till I was about 11. 11. Okay. Um, and then we moved from there to Nigeria. Okay. And um, it was an amazing transition. Uh, I've been blessed with, one of the things that I think my childhood has been, has been very remarkable for me is that I was always, uh, we moved around quite a bit and it allowed me to never get too comfortable. So after Spain, we moved to Nigeria and again I had to make new friends. Uh, now I had to start thinking in English, <laughs> right? So in Spain I was in a, in a British school, uh, but you know, even though we're, uh, we're Indian, at home my mom spoke some Sindhi, but she also spoke, we also spoke uh, Spanish. Um, and it was it was very easy for us to think in Spanish first and then speak every other language. Does that make sense? And then when I moved to Nigeria, we went to the American school there, and suddenly everyone was thinking in English. Yeah. And 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 I remember watching TV there, right? And you won't believe it. Um, the funniest thing was um, was Darth Vader, you know, Star Wars, right? I never knew his name was Darth Vader. Vader. I thought it was always Dark Invader. <laughs> I think it was translated like that in Spain or something like that. I don't remember, but I just remember going, "Huh, it sounds so funny in English." Or you know, yeah. um, and, and it was like it was it was really interesting because that was when I had to start to think in English. Yeah. Um, and and you know, uh, yeah, it was it was and, and being a kid, you know, when 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 suddenly you go from what is normal to not normal, right? So suddenly. You know, in the American school, my accent was different because I had this really funny little Spanish accent. So it was really awkward for people to see, well, here's an Indian kid, first of all, with a Spanish accent, which looks really weird. And then on top of it, you know, you're in Nigeria in American school. So it's like a complete confusion. And then they ask me where you're from, and they go, where you're from? And, and uh, you know, if I said India, it wasn't really true because I really never, I used to only go there in the summers, yeah. and maybe for a couple of weeks. Yeah. So I really didn't know much about India. Yeah. Um, Home was Spain at that point in time, yeah. but you know, you don't look like a Spanish person, so you're not Spanish. Are but this you? is a stereotype we often, you know, project to someone. How a person looks like is usually where they're supposed to come from. Exactly, and and, and this is the confusion that that people, I think, all around the world, in the global world, have um, is is that, and this is why today in the Happiness Center, I always I always want to emphasize on the human, because ultimately it's about the human. So not characteristic on it doesn't make a difference look like. absolutely yeah. absolutely so yeah that was really interesting times so you said age 11 uh, I moved to Nigeria how was that transition how was it because Spain to Nigeria is 
is it different? Uh, it was different incredibly... In terms of culture, obviously, language. What was that for you personally at that young age? You know, it was, it was, it was incredibly um, rich as far as uh, a move for me. And what I mean by that is, you know, there was so much culture and there were, it, was, it was such a change. Um, in those days, you know, in Spain, it was, you, you'd walk around the streets and it was so different. And, and when we moved to Nigeria initially, it was a little different than that, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're, it's, it's different. Um, but I also got to meet people from all over the world and, and I got to know a culture that I didn't know. And it was, it was, it was really uh, mesmerizing in a sense, right? Um, I have the most amazing memories of that time as well, right? And uh, I remember people outside going, oh my God, how is it there? And yeah. then I go, oh, it's fantastic, you yeah. know? Uh, but only if you went there would you know that, yeah. right? Yeah. So the friends that we made from, from those days as well, I mean, I still am in touch with them. And we have this really special moment and a special bond, you know? Um, mm. it, was, it was really um, a moment in my time when, I, and I, I guess that's the kind of person I am. Every yeah. place I've lived, I've always had, I've been blessed with, exposure and experiences that have just been really mesmerizing to me, yeah. right? And I think they've defined me in a way because I can see myself in so many different cultures now. Does that make sense? So yeah. when someone says, do you resonate with this? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. you know? Listening to what you just said, I think even at the age 11, you say that transition was in a very positive sense, amazing. Yeah. Was um, not necessarily negative at all. You know, people yeah. in that age say, you know, it's about new culture, it was very difficult to, like, get to know new friends, etc., etc. You're talking in a way that it helps you to grow in a yeah, really positive sense. It's very interesting that you actually see this kind of dramatic changes, life transitions, into a very positive side. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that, that ultimately in life, uh, you really are who you have, uh, you have lived, right, in a sense, what your, your life is all about. And, and that's why for me, even though when we left Spain and we came to Nigeria, it was such a big move, it was kind of exciting at the same time, right? Because I, I, it had a lot to do with, I guess, the way my parents have been as well. You know, they, all, they always make things exciting, right? So it's like, hey, you're going to go somewhere new, you're going to see something really exciting. And so they, you know, they never made it sound like a... Um, I think they were a big part of, of who we are, you know, and, and, and we embrace that, right? So if you, and, and that's what I love about being kids. I think kids are, are, you know, they are mesmerizing with the ability to rebound and resilient, you know what I mm. mean? And to them, it's really what you portray, the energy you give to a child is what they will reflect. Yeah? Of course, yes, so that's true. if you're excited, the kid's gonna be excited. Because the kids know? learn from Absolutely. Observe and they adopt. Absolutely. And, and my, my father has always been one of those people in my life. That yeah. He's always said he looks at everything positively, yeah. right? Yeah. And he says everything happens for a reason. Everything yeah. happens for the best. And he's instilled this in us since we were kids. Yeah. So we were always excited. So it was not like, oh, I have to make new friends. It was more like, wow, I got to make new friends. You know, yes. it's not like you have to, you don't need to because the society tells you to do. No, exactly. it's actually a great way to exactly. Exactly. learn new cultures. Absolutely. Uh, learn from people. So age 11, would you say, would the chapter 3 would start? So age 11 is a new chapter, more or less. How long did you stay in Nigeria? So was I was there trial? for about six years. Six years, okay. um, For the teenage age. The teenage age, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So um, how was the teenage age for you at that time there? It was great. I mean, I, so I, like I told you, I was, I was uh, as a kid, you know, football was everything. Then I got into... Um, Nigeria was in my, my junior high and my, in my high school, my early high school, so up to, up to um, about 
ninth grade is when I finished Nigeria. I just remember how that was the awkward years, right? Because you get into your teenage years, right? So suddenly there's that little baby fat. Which I was always really skinny in Spain mm. as a kid. And then suddenly I might have discovered food at, at 12 or 13. I don't know what happened. Oh. But I, I, was, I, was, I had a little baby fat. You know, everyone does. And then trying to learn your body, right? So uh. I remember in, in the American school, we had this thing called the American, um, the President Fitness Test. Okay. I don't know if you know what that is. Mm-hmm. So Sounds like a... It was, it was class has to come together. And so, so it's really funny. It's like this nationwide test that was done by age. And you had to do a certain amount of pull-ups, a certain amount of sit-ups. There was a, a mile run a certain amount of time, right? And it was so funny because I, was, I used to find myself stressing because, you know, I wasn't up to the class average at that point in time. You know, like push-ups and sit-ups. And, and there was always these athletic kids who suddenly were more athletic, you know. Yeah. Um, and you were no longer as athletic as you thought you used to be. You know what I'm saying? There was a whole transition because my body was changing, right? Um, and I remember, I remember stressing through that, you know, era. You know, because I was like, well, why can't I do a pull-up, right? I'm trying to hang from there and yes, yes, figure yes. things out. Um, but I, it was essential for me was essential for me defined who I am today you know because you know only when you have I, I really believe this Daniel is it's very easy for someone to say oh yeah we'll do this but until you've experienced it and you know how it is not to be able to do it you understand so yeah. when you've experienced something and you've faced it overcoming that is 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 is, is something that's very authentic so that's why I always say sometimes in life there's going to be situations that are not as pleasant But those experiences are needed in order to turn and define you for who you are today. Yes? So even though sometimes those times may be challenging, those are the times that you really have to dig deep. Mm-hmm. Because when you overcome those times, yeah. you can look back and understand the value of those times. Yeah. But this dig deep also means spending time on it. Often people are looking into that fast track solution. Correct. In a 24-hour transformation. Correct. And actually not even touch the surface. That's what you say. It's a, I think it takes a long, long time. And that's why, that's why that's the difference between a superficial external transformation yeah. and an internal journey. Yeah. You know, and, and I learned that internal journey very early in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So going within, how do I... I remember even building strength for me was a real internal journey. I had to go within. So when you say internal journey, how was it for you in the teenage age? You said like strength. Strength is one with a sport will be associated with sport. Internal sure. journey. Yeah. But... Did you start at that age also looking into um, the, always using the word mindfulness as a buzzword as well, but f- more for the inner peace? Did you start at that time as well? You know, uh, the, it, the it's funny you ask me that. Um, I've always um, had, there's many outlets for me. One was music, mm-hmm. uh, which took me. So I, I, I really will tell you, um, there's many ways to channel your energies. And even when we talk about meditation, when you go within, you can be doing that while you do something. Right? So a lot of times I was, I was going out there and shooting the basketball, just, just shooting mm-hmm. it. And when I was shooting it, you know, I was in my own zone. I could just do that, right? Um, or when I, was, when I was in music, I was going out there writing songs, right? It, it really was a really me time, yeah? But when I was doing these things, it was really deep reflection. It was really time when I was going in, right? And that's why when I spoke about mm-hmm. the strength as well, it was, it, was really, it, was, it was really something which I started working on. But it wasn't the physical only. It was going within to understand, okay, I can do this, you know, I, I definitely can do this, you know. 
and it was that desire to be conscious about it. It was creating the awareness, mm-hmm. and then what steps can I take? Of course, I didn't define it this way. Yeah. But but now that I look back in hindsight, I was like, wow, it works. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you're looking back. You look back. Yes, 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 yes. Absolutely. So in this school, um, how would you just dis- how would you, s- and you're looking back, um, see yourself? Uh, were you interested in certain subjects? Were you very curious in all kind of tra- subjects? Were you more, as you said, you were interested in football? Were you more the sports person in school? Well, I mean, yes. in my so so in this era, um, you know, like I told you, I was I love sports, but I you know I had gone from uh, moving from Spain where everything was football to an American system which really did not play soccer much, right? They called it soccer, football to soccer. It changed. And it was more about picking up basketball, so I learned basketball there, and, mm-hmm. and, and it was all these other sports which yes. I had to kind of familiarize myself yes, yes, with, yes, yes, yes. which I didn't know very well at that point. So it was, uh, kids had been playing this since they were young, and for me it was like, hey, this is seventh grade and it's the first time I'm playing this sport, right? Mm. Um, so it was, it was really awkward initially, yeah? Um, so that was one change that I faced. But as far as subjects are concerned, um, I, I remember... I was always good with languages anyway, so I mean, I was always very curious about different languages. I picked up French, and I did really well in that. And, and I remember the challenge they put in us. They said that if um, the top 20 kids that, that, that get a, get a uh, A+, plus, uh, will be selected for a trip to Paris, and then you know, we can do this, this field trip. And um, I made sure I go on that trip. <laughs> you know, so okay. I wanted to go, and, and, I, and so that's one thing I did. So. Um, yeah, so I was great with languages. I, I really, and, it, and I think it was the first time I, I must say, um, where I enjoyed education because um, that school, uh, the professors were so wonderful. Daniel, they, all of them, every single class, um, they wanted to be there. They they loved teaching, mm-hmm. and it reflected through the way they did it. And every one of us, every one of us were there, and we enjoyed it. So. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I look back at that experience of my mm-hmm. life, and I'll tell you, I, I don't think I've been in a better school than that school. I mean, it was every single professor, every single teacher um, was truly, I mean, beautiful souls, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they made education really fun, you know, really, really fun. We had the science teacher who had this cool little gadget he made, he made a little competition, right? And he pressed, a, he'd ask us questions, you have to press the button and the light bulb comes on, and then... So he made this quiz game, mm-hmm. and he taught us subjects through that, and he'd make these quizzes, these yeah, competitions, yeah, yeah. and we loved it. And everyone studied just so that we can be the strongest person on the yes, team, yes, right? Yes. So you win. Yes. So it was fun. I mean, he made it fun, and I remember things. I'm talking about seventh, eighth grade. I still remember some of the stuff that I learned from there, and I'm yeah. like, it's because of him, you know. And so it, this is the kind of thing. Passion does a lot of beautiful things. If you love what you do, you do it with love. Exactly. And I really believe that. I can see that when you mentioned that the teachers actually loved that. Yeah. To teach to the other kids. And yes. they perceived that energy as well. Absolutely. It's very interesting. Absolutely. That, that time where you, you know, at the teenage age, you actually loved that uh, aspect of education, learning, growing up, sports. How would you summarize that chapter? If it's six years, I mean, you mentioned till 17? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, so, it's age 17? No, when I 18? left, uh, no, I, I left I left there in ninth grade. Um, right. So I think it was 15, it's 15, oh, 15, 15, okay. Yeah, somewhere there, yeah. And um, so. So what do you say? This would, is that chapter itself? This. So I think this was, this, this for me was, was um, 
if I look at it now, I look at it as as really it was my defining years. It was it was me moving from being being a, a young kid into a teenager. You know, those those are the most. I, I've I've always seen stories on on the awkwardness of being a teenager. Yes. Um, but I think we all have gone through it, you know, and I I really really can empathize with with kids because um, it's okay to be awkward. Yes. It's okay. It, it, every one of us has gone through it. Yeah. And no matter how you turn out today, yeah. you know, people come up and, and, and compliment you for all the things you've achieved or what you do. Um, but I can tell you honestly, um, just like everybody else, we all have had those moments that we've, we've kind of, um, you know, we've had to build our own confidence levels from what we had or did not have. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had to kind of uh, work on ourselves. But at the same time, one thing that I always would love to, I always share, but I would always love to emphasize on is, is, you know, when you can just remain true to who you are, you can overcome everything. And, uh, you know, you win people over with mm-hmm. that little, you know, that little, um, the essence of who you are. That doesn't change, right? And, and if you can bring that through your whole life, that is a tribute. And that's why I think uh, we read all these books on great and special people. Yeah. But one thing everybody has in common is that essence, is that true identity of you know, who they really, really are. And that will come through. That essence is literally the fire you lit in other people's lives. When you, because the energy you're sending out is that fire you're putting to other people's mind. Fair. Very interesting. I'm just thinking about how to, how to give it words that, the childhood you mentioned, but also the teenage age. So when we say the chapter two is the childhood, age 11, and from 11 to six years, roughly around that time earlier, how would you say chapter two, what is the, how would you summarize it in words? Chapter two, till age 11. Till age, uh, till age 11, 11 from 11 yeah. to 15. Or, Both, or so first, first till 11. So I, I like to the, always, um, you started with who I am in yeah. the very first. Yeah. I'd say, um, I mean, the word that's coming to me is foundation, the foundation years or, or my foundation. But I think that, um, you know, we always think of a foundation as something that's very sturdy, right? That's, that's very grounded. But remember that a foundation has to be built. Yeah, of course. That's very right. true. The first stone has to be put in place. The cement has to go in place. You have to find the right direction for the the sticks to come in place to hold that foundation yeah. to make it solid right Correct. and they're really awkward when they're alone yeah. you can't make a thing stand alone without support right I agree so that's what those years are those are the years where I kind of you know I had to go within and learn and, and, yeah. and fall and, and stand up and resilient yeah. and you know learn to be resilient and um but it was great. That, that, I think this is why we have those years. Yeah. I love that you mentioned the word foundation. I usually teach that also to, to my teams to say, okay, it's similar to like when you build a tower, right. the basement, the, the foundation. Right. If you have a very solid foundation, you can still decide if you build a small, tiny little house on it Correct. or a skyscraper. It's, it's totally up to you. It's true. But you cannot build a skyscraper on a very fragile foundation. Foundation. And, and, and I, I, I love what you just shared, and, and I, that's why I took it one step further back, because yeah. we all talk about a strong foundation, everyone talks about it, but no one defines how to get there, right? Sure. So I thought it's important to share that. Yeah. It's important to share your vulnerabilities. I believe um, you know, every one of us has vulnerabilities, and if we can share those, 
Yeah. It just makes you realize, you know, we're all the same. Everyone's the same, no matter where you're from. Correct. Yeah. But it also starts with self-awareness. Um, acknowledging it. Yes. Um, the learnings. Right. It's actually the very first step. That's what we discussed before. It's actually the very first step to help yourself to start working on it. That's right. Rather than denying it. True. No one. Um, chapter 3 from H11. Mm. How would, what would be the, the title for that chapter? It's actually very difficult usually to summarize. No, no, I think, I think it, it, it's, it's fantastic. I love, I love what you're doing. I love this exercise because <laughs> I, it's, it's making me go deeper. Um, the word that's coming to me is exploring. So, exploring. so we spoke about foundation. Uh, now I was exploring really who I am. Who I am, who, you know, and I know that we go to that word and we always wonder where, but think about it, you know, as, as, a, as a kid, when you start to ask questions, there's perceptions of who I want to be and who I am. And it's identifying, you know, what wins. I think this is the, this is the real mm -hmm. fundamental for every single one of us out there is, is you know, allowing yourself to be, we say that, right? Yeah. But until you don't question, you know, yeah. you're not able to identify and then make that decision, right? You mentioned who I want to be as a child, who you wanted to be. Did you, did you want to be a football player? You know, yeah. I assume so. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I, I was in awe of that. So I thought, yeah, I want to be a... I mean, of course, I was the Maradona era, right? So there's a whole... Um, but it changed. It changed in, in, in my teenage years, right? Because you other things pop up and, you know, uh, music fascinated me suddenly and, and you know, you start having so many other likings. Uh, it, was, it was amazing, yeah. I mean, but, but, you know, the essence here, Daniel, is it allowed me to really make that decision yeah. know, to be comfortable with me, you know. Um, and ultimately, that only happens when I had to look at, you know, what was it that I was looking up to, right? Um, so there was, there was a lot of exploring in those years. I remember, mm -hmm. you know, I remember we, in our school, it was really funny. Uh, I'll give you an example of this. There was this. There was two groups in our school, okay? Uh, the heavy metal and the rap. Heavy metal. Heavy metal on one side and rap on the other. Interesting. Most of my friends were in the rap side, right? Because they were like, oh, we love rap. Some of my friends were on the heavy metal side, very few. And then, you know, the ones who were not my friends were more on the heavy metal side. And I was down the middle, to be honest with you. I liked some songs over here. I liked music over there. And I was like... I don't know where I belong. <laughs> right? yeah. so, but that's an example of, of, of what I'm talking about, is you have to define yourself, right? And it was, it, 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 it was difficult at those, that point to be brave, because you know, if you stood in an awkward space, like I'm in the middle of those two, then where do you belong, right? Yes. Yes, yes. But that's when I realized very early on that, hey, I didn't belong here or here. I love both. In many, there's many things. Yes, yes, yes. There's some songs I don't like here, I'll never listen to this. Yeah, yeah. But hey, there's some songs I don't like here, I can't understand this either, you know? But there's so much I like from both sides. But defending that position actually is very important. Absolutely. And that's what you say, you actually, in that, yes, um, you most probably, you know, I also admitted that you not necessarily want to belong to any side. So it was, it was, it was just, a, it was really interesting. And, and you had to step in both sides initially to understand it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's actually so, true as well. Right. So walk me through a little bit more about the time after grade eight you mentioned it. So grade, uh, grade nine, I left nine, Nigeria. Nine, yes, Nigeria. Um, what? So, so then a really interesting thing happened. Uh, uh, I, our school uh, went up to ninth grade in Nigeria. So my sister, who's three years older than I am, 
went to the American school in, in this hill station in India, in Kodikana, which was the south of India. Uh, it's in, in, a, in a state called Tamil Nadu. Now, we are Sindhis, so uh, we don't speak uh, the language in the south. And I have not, had not grown up in India, so I didn't speak any Hindi. So uh, anyway, it would have not helped me because in this particular state, they don't speak Hindi much. It's all, you know, Tamil. And it was an American school on top of this hill station. So my sister had previously had gone there and she was attending and my dad said, well, you're gonna go there. So I didn't have a choice. Um, he didn't want to send me uh, far away like the US or the UK at that point in time. He said, no, you're not ready. So he sent me to this boarding school. So I had a year of boarding school. And uh, this was to me, again, a very transitional stage in my life because uh, this is when for the first time I moved away from home uh, and I go to boarding school. Uh, the irony in this situation is even though it was in India, uh, I didn't speak the language. I didn't speak the language of that space. So I felt really alien in this place. And um, when you said alien, what did it make to you? Did you feel depressed in that moment? Or did well, you I'm feel not, not like depressed. it's a challenge for you? It's a but, challenge uh, to work on. I was not depressed at all. But what yeah. it was, was it was like a, it was like someone takes you out of cold water and puts you in hot water, the shock that you experience first, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's like, okay, wait, this is really out of my comfort zone, right? Um, but, you know, what helped the transition for me was the fact that I've already been through transition before. So for me to adapt to new cultures and new friends and all, I had done it already. Yeah. So because I was able to do it at, you know, at the age of 11, I was, it was easy for me to do it again at the age of 15, mm -hmm. right? Whereas other kids, you know, for them it was a lot of a shock when you go and again you have to start from zero, right? So I think that's why I say that life has been a learning period for me. Um, it was it was amazing. I must have, I must tell you, I never knew uh, of the beauty that lies there. And and after one year was over, uh, we moved to Dubai for the final two years of high school. And I never knew I'm going to be sad. You know, when, when we finished that year, I thought, oh, I can't wait to get out. So I remember that first day in that, yeah. in that school, I was like, I can't wait to get out of this place. Yes, yes, yes. And I remember the last day when dad announced this to me, because my sister graduated that year, and he's like, we're moving to Dubai. And I'm like, oh, do I not come back next year? And he's like, no. And I was bummed, because I'd made some good friends. And, um, you know, I'd started finally enjoying that place. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, we went on hikes, and it was, there was so much nature. So Daniel, to answer your question, one of the things that inspired me that year was, It was, I mean, we, as kids, we used to go camping uh, uh, with my dad on Sundays, yeah. yeah. But, you know, the nature uh, that I saw in Kode was unbelievable. It was this, uh, you're talking about a, a really, about 6,000, 7,000, and don't quote me on it, but it, it feet up, I mean, it's a beautiful mountain, um, but it's, it's, it's really raw. So when you go hiking there, I mean, it is beautiful. Yeah. You know, the streams are pure. Was, I cannot explain it to you. And I want to take my kids there. It's just a nightmare to get up that stuff yes, to yes, get yes. there. Right? I don't remember. I don't enjoy the trip going up there, right? So that's something I don't look forward to. But once you're there, it's amazing weather. It's nice and cool and um, unbelievable experience. I remember the first time in my life I'd seen a bull uh, walking around the street. Interesting. Right? And um, it's just walking towards me. And I was like, oh, my God, what do I do? And everyone's like, don't worry, don't panic, don't panic. And I'm like... You say, don't panic, it's coming right at us, right? <laughs> and um, I remember trying not to run and then running. <laughs> okay. And oh my God, was that a mistake. So you got like seven kids now running down this hill. And, this and is, he followed you. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the bull and some cow, I don't know, three, four of these guys were running <laughs> behind us. 
and we finally cut into our gate and, and oh my god right <laughs> but it was like you know but these are stories that stay with you and it's, it's yeah. fantastic I mean where in the world does these things happen right yes of course um, so for me that, that's one of the places that, that I have a very soft um, uh, place in my heart for is beautiful but being um, in touch with nature is something very unique as oh, well that's what, you, what it actually is that we it's, it's gorgeous and, and, and it really grounds you and, and these are things that become fundamentals to you moving yeah. forward yeah being grounded, as you said, being Absolutely. grounded down to earth. Absolutely. Um, on top of a mountain. On top of the mountain, <laughs> yes. Even on top of the mountain you can be grounded. Right. <laughs> um, so this one year, what do you say, because it's like a, is that kind of a year to, which was, what do you see as a preparation towards moving to UAE, or was it itself a chapter? Uh, I think it was a chapter, it was. Uh, because, because this is where I had to make decisions by myself. Okay. Um, for the first time. That was also the time where, yeah, you... You were 17, 18? No, I was, I was uh, only 15. I was 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15 16. So a transition okay. between the yeah. two. And um, it was the first time that I had to literally make decisions for myself. Um, and, you know, it was, it was a change of system. I mean, it was, it was an American school, but, you know, they were more strict than I was used to. Yeah. Um, you know, I had this uh, German teacher who I, I was telling uh, Kunal about how he changed my life. Because even though he was the most strictest man I ever met, um, he taught me how to analyze. Um, so we have one of the most amazing stories there where, where um, my first day of school there, uh, I'm having breakfast with some kids that I'd met you know, over the weekend and my roommate, etc. And uh, this professor walks past and, uh, you know, and um, he says, are you guys the new batch? We're like, yeah, you know, we're 10th grade, right? So he's like, oh, it'll be fun. You'll have some homework today. It's the first day of class. I said, yeah, nice joke. I, I thought, gives you homework, the first thing. He looks at me, and I'm not sure he stops. He goes, what's your name? And I go, Rajiv. He goes, okay, extra homework for you. <laughs> and I'm like, is he kidding? Because I thought it was a joke. But no, I go to class, he knew who I was. And when yeah. I walk, he goes, are you the guy from the cafeteria? Yeah, well, extra homework, write it down. And, and he, he was tough. He was a really, really tough professor. And I'm, I'm, I went from getting amazing grades in the old school, ninth grade, to suddenly struggling in some of these classes. And um, it was a tough time for me because mm -hmm. I, I was getting accustomed to, you know, to, to the rules of boarding school. You know, um, it was really strict on, on how they, they, they meet the times and, you know, responsibilities, right? Suddenly you have all these responsibilities. You have to make it to breakfast by yourself. You don't wake up. There's no one telling you wake up, wake up. Right? All these small things that, that you know, change your, your life. But the funny thing about this was I loved the experience because even throughout all of this, you know, it really helped define me. And today I look back at, at, at that same professor and I, and I always thank him with my heart because I remember when the year finished, he was the first guy that taught me analysis. You know, he, the reason I struggled was initially in his class, you'd come in, he'd give you, he'd share a topic, right, whatever the subject was, and you take notes. And the notes would be like five lines, six lines, right? I mean, whatever you stood out. But every morning, when you came to his class the next day, he'd ask to see your notes. And people would be, uh, have written five pages. And I had only five lines. I didn't know you, you know, there was more to, but he expected you to take these five lines and, and analyze them and, and, you know, put your thoughts on paper and, mm -hmm. and, and you know, which was fantastic. I didn't know how to do that. Yes. Right? Yes. And uh, so he used, he used to put a red mark on my paper, Daniel. It was amazing. And then anyway, today, 
um, I love analysis and, and I contribute, I, I, I really attribute it to him. Rashid, for, for when you move to UAE afterwards, um, it's again a completely different culture. Um, which year are we talking about? So we it's moved here in uh, 92. 92. So 92 in the UAE itself. I mean, Dubai itself is not necessarily the Dubai today. No. Um, at all. So how was the how was the time for you to grow up here in '92? So so again, um, it won't surprise you. <laughs> I was it was I was again in awe because I never. I mean, I didn't know what UAE was then, and I remember yeah. landing here, and we went to stay at in in Bertubai, the Golden Sands. It was the Golden Sands was these uh, these hotel apartments, and there was only three, and there was this golden sand outside, and it was gorgeous, and the road was so clean, and there was not that many buildings. And you could actually walk from these three buildings to Burjuman, which was the mall that you know down there. Yes. But between that, there was no other buildings there. It was just pure sand. And the sand was gold. And I remember looking at this, looking at my back, going, wow. Burjuman in uh, Indira? No, in Bird Dubai. In so Bird if, Dubai, you, okay. if you remember Bird Dubai, yes, yes, yes. Uh, now it's okay, so crowded okay. buildings. Yes, yes, yes. Daniel, if, if you came back then, there was, there was only three hotel apartments there called Golden Sands. And Emirates crew had, um, had a lot of the rooms in, 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 in Golden Sands 3. And I remember we could walk from that place to Burjuman and there was just sand across the street, right? I mean, it was, there was no, it was so much more empty. And then we moved to our first house in Jumeirah and it was two small little roads with pure beach, like clean beaches with no one around. And I used to wear my dog there. And I mean, I'm telling you, if you dropped a ring or, or a coin, you could pick it up, the water was so clear. Wow. It was gorgeous. I mean, and, and I, I mean, the, the serenity of the space, it was, it, the sky was, you'd see stars, and I was, it was gorgeous. That time, I, it was a very special time for me, uh, wow. back in the 90s. I, I, I have a very fond uh, memory of that. So, before I'm going to go a little bit more in detail, so the, before you moved to the UE, um, that one tra tra transition year, we said, you know, you learned a lot from mm -hmm. personally as well, discipline. Yeah. Uh, what would I see in a, in a table of content? And, uh, chapter four. <laughs> what is this? What would be that chapter hmm. four time? I don't know. I mean, I mean, it was it was maybe the time when I got. I mean, I learned. I guess discipline. I, I, discipline. I, I think discipline. I, this is when I. Yeah, I, I, accountability and discipline. I think this is what I learned in that year. Okay. So chapter five is all about literally uh, living in the nineties here in the UAE. Now you're an entrepreneur, you know, an actor, model. Did you start at that time also working in these fields? Or did you no. just more exploring what's out there? No, I, I had two years of high school left, and yeah. uh, I was just a teenager trying to finish off my high school. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was really about that. I mean, this is the, the year where, um, again, I was back playing a lot of sports, and uh, my life revolved around, uh, I, I, played, I played a little music, uh, I, you know, I started playing my guitar a little, uh, which I didn't follow up after that too much. But I, I yeah, I started. Uh, I had this basketball rim, and I just used to love to shoot baskets. I remember that time I had my, my dog. We used to go running, mm -hmm. but it was really just about nurturing my passion and um, studying. That was it. I mean, it was it was. It really wasn't a complicated time. Mm -hmm. It was a very simple time, Daniel. You know. Um, you stayed in the UAE the whole, the whole time in the 90s? Yeah, I was for two years. I mean, it, was, it was 92 to 94 before I went to college in the okay. US. And um, those two years, though, 
was a year, again, it was starting from zero again. So yeah. I, had, I had to make new friends. And uh, uh, yeah, well, so. Yeah. You it, mentioned before you moved quite frequently, but it helps you to actually. Yeah, I mean, it helps you to be grounded. So, so you know, you, I think this, these transitions helped me stay humble, right? Because mm -hmm. you always had, um, when you make new friends, you know, you always have to, you know, you meet new people, you explore, so you're open to meeting, right? Um, but I remember those two years, it was, it was a little different for me because, um, yes, I, I made friends, but I didn't, I didn't go out too much. I didn't, I'm, in other words, I didn't really stretch myself. Mm -hmm. I, I felt almost like I dedicated those two years to me and developing me um, and really following my passions. And I remember I started lifting weights that time and I just discovered this new hobby. And, um, I was fascinated in getting my driver's license because I wanted to get my driver's license. These roads are fantastic and I wanted to drive in these roads, you know. Um, it was really, if you also define that chapter, it was my real, my development. It was about, uh, this was about me. About you. This was about me. This was the, the two years of my life where it was really just about me, you know. Um, and not, not the, nothing to do with uh, social, the social element or the, um, the mental element. It was just about focusing on me as, you know, as a, as an individual from a, from a passion orientation, you know, mm -hmm. and, and discovering, exploring, allowing it to come, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah, it was really beautiful. So, three years only in the UAE? Two years. You yeah. moved afterwards to the US? I went to the US, yeah, Seattle. To study? To study. What did you study? So, I, I went with, uh, yeah, I come from a business family. So, it was business administration. Um, so, marketing and uh, international business. And then I had a choice of doing minors, uh, and I decided, no, I'm not going to do a minor. I want to go and do the third major. So I went and did finance too. So I studied uh, finance, marketing, international business. Yeah. yeah that's, that's what I focused on. Yeah. Good combination, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Is it like transferable soft skills to transfer transferable knowledge? You know, what kind I, of areas in life? You know, because I, I mean, I come from a business family. I thought, okay, well, I need to jump into the family business, although I had no plan to do that. So. Yeah. I, I, but I said, hey, I need to have these skills. So I, that's how I got into this. Um, so how long did you stay in the U.S.? That so was I, was, I was there for about six, six years, um, give or take. And um, I, I did uh, three majors. So I, did, I stretched it to five, uh, five years uh, studying. And then I started doing my MBA e-commerce. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, that was the whole dot-com era. So I was in the dot-com era. And you experienced actually also the... So, the end of the dot com area. So I, I moved back in Dubai in the year 2000. So in the okay. Yeah. yeah. So in 2000 end September, yeah. and I remember um, I was in, in Seattle during the dot com era, and uh, I've done a lot of fun stuff while I was there. I also did a, a stint in the nonprofit. Uh, okay. Uh, I was always fascinated. So like like I say, when you look back at your life, you'll always have spots in your life where you can go. Hmm. I also did this. I didn't realize, you know, but it was preparing you for something. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why, I was just, I remember at one point in time I said, hey, I need to just jump into that. So I, I, I tried out this nonprofit for a while just to get a feel of how that feels, right? Um, and again, a lot of exploring, a lot of exploring and trying to figure out what I liked and what mm. it's all about. During that time, because it's actually the fourth or the fifth location where you lived in, have you ever asked yourself, where is your home? Or did you find a definition, a personal oh definition God, of home? This is the most funniest um, question you can ask, and I'll tell you why it's so appropriate. Because yeah. this is where I got the most confused. Yeah. This is where I was completely confused. My first day in university, everyone's introducing themselves, and they go, where you're from? Yeah. And I'm from <laughs> yeah. Dubai, so I said, Dubai. <laughs> and they go, ah, 
you're from Dubai. And then someone goes, I'm from California too. And I'm like, no, 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 it's not from California. Dubai is in the Middle East. And they go, oh, yes. okay. And then, so they go, oh, so you're Middle Eastern. And I'm like, well, not exactly. <laughs> yeah. I go, well, okay, where are you born? And I said, Spain. Oh, he's Spanish. <laughs> well, not exactly. Okay, so where are you from? So are you, well, I said, my parents are Indian. You know, Indian. So oh, you're Indian. So how's India? I'm like, I don't know, I'm not Indian. So I did not know what to do, right? I, I just didn't know what to do. Because if I said Indian, the next questions that followed was all about India, and I didn't know much, right? And I, I, didn't, I didn't exactly know how to fit in because then I wasn't the typical Indian, right? Yeah. So I didn't know what to do. So they said, but I listened carefully, and all of the Americans, they could be Italian or wherever they were from, they'd say, I'm American. And I say, and they go, because they're born here, right? Yeah. So I said, okay, but if I said Spanish, then there's people who from, there was two or three kids who were in Spain, they're like, you're not 100% Spanish, right? So I said, I, I, I know what to do. I said, I'm half Indian, half Spanish. Boom. That's the only way. Ah, I, I just thought I'll say that because then no one's going to ask any other questions and I can move forward. And I, and I kind of kind of had to do that for a while. But the funny thing about that is it was because they wanted you to define it. Exactly. That's actually the question. And, and today, I really believe that there's no definition of it. Mm. You know, I'm proudly Indian. Absolutely am. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also proudly equally Spanish, I'm equally uh, Emirati, if you say, I lived yes, here for so many years, uh, I'm, I live in Nigeria, so for me, when you say global citizen, I really know what it means, I really embrace it, Yes. so if you ask me what am I, I'm human, yes. <laughs> right, yeah. and I represent Earth really well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but when you would say, okay, home, I mean, not home in terms of where you come from, where your nationality, where is currently home for you? Is home it? has always been where mom and dad is. Perfect, that's... So people were you, yeah. close people. That, simple as that. That's how I define home. Yeah. When it, at that time when you were in the US, um, obviously that was the time where you did study. Um, you stayed six years there. How was that time for you? Was it, as you say, exploration? It was, um, you did uh, study these fields. Mm -hmm. Was it also a, f a time where you closer explored certain areas? Uh, job-wise, um, business, finance, was it where you said, after graduation, I will do this immediately, I will do that. You know, um, when you are in, in, in that period of your life in college, uh, everybody's entrepreneurial. At that point, the dot-com era was yeah. really defining. I think we were really lucky because um, that was an era that I think established entrepreneurs from, from very early ages. Yeah. So it was not unusual to have college students set up dot-com companies, yes, right? yes, yes. So yes, I mean, we, we were in that era. Yes. And it was very enticing. Yeah. Um, there was suddenly, you know, a, an era before us, it was all about getting a job. In our era, yeah, it carried forward. There were people who were only about getting jobs, and there was others who were like, you know, looking at starting up stuff. Yeah. And... and uh, inventing. Inventing, actually. Starting stuff up. up. Yeah. And, and I think for me, that was uh, one of the fortunate things that I also put my hand in, right? So I was able to... You know, explore with people. That's why I said e-commerce. Let me do some e-commerce because e-commerce sounds like fun. E-commerce in 2000 was actually it was huge. Yeah. It was huge back then. So it was fun. I mean, I, I, I think that has probably been the reason why the bug of starting my own or doing something was, was so big for me. Yeah. Inner entrepreneur kind of, you know, yeah. he's starting something with Because around me, that was what yeah. they nurtured. It was, it is, you really are what your environment creates. Yeah. So that's why it's, you have to consciously create an environment that really empowers. Yeah. That's why I, I really believe that. Yes, so yes, yes. Um, all these things are vital for, for, for development and for, for uh, empowering people. So would you say 
it's all about the empowering people and creating something in that chapter. Would you define it in that way, or what would be the I, I think, summary um, for that? Th this chapter was was coming. What can I say? I'd say coming to age, maybe. Yeah. Coming to age. Okay. Coming to age. This is now where where you know life is still. It's still at a point in your life where you know you can still be a kid, but now you have to grow up, right? So this is that time. This is the time when now you start asking deeper questions and, and where mm -hmm. do you want to do and. and you know, we've all gone for interviews and, and, you know, so we've experienced all of that. So I love this because if I didn't have that, today I wouldn't know the value of being on the other side. So I, I love that experience because I was on the other side. Yeah. Today, it, yes, I have my own businesses and, and, and I'm sitting on the other side of the table. But how can I be empathetic if I don't know what it is to be on the other side of the table? Correct. So that taught me. There is actually that's something very interesting. The other day I came across, um, actually I, I, I came across, I came up with that quote in a very disturbing moment right. uh, saying, you can only define peace if you experience the storm. Absolutely right. And that's very similar as you said, you have to go through that first before you can be a Absolutely right. authentic effect. Absolutely right. You have to, because then you're living it. And not just talking about it, what other people say. Absolutely. So, after the US, what was the next destination? Okay, so I came back to Dubai. Back to Dubai. Back so, to that Dubai. was the. Uh, so, so the it US. wasn't planned. It wasn't planned. I came back to Dubai thinking I'm just going to come in for a quick break and then I'm headed back to the yeah. US where I'm probably going to pick up a job and, or, you know, or start something. I was really excited about, about going back. And then um, came back here and, uh, you know, my sister had got married already. Mom and dad were all alone. And, um, you know, there's no other kids. And, and mom was really lonely, you know. And um, in our culture, you know, you live for your kids. Mm -hmm. And I saw that. And um, I felt really selfish, Daniel. I felt I couldn't, I just couldn't leave them on their own. You know, even though, I mean, the business, everything is here. But I just didn't feel right. Something inside of me just, yes. yeah. And, uh, you know, dad had invested in this small little company um, that he wanted to get out of, you know. So he's like, hey, listen, you studied finance. Why don't you check this company out and see if you can get rid of it, right? And um, so I said, okay, I'm here for, uh, you know, a month before I go back. So yeah, sure, I'll do that. And I remember going in, uh, and there were only about 30 clients, and there was this, there was only two people and, and, and one engineer sitting there, and he was reading a newspaper, and the company's losing money. And I, and I walk in there, and he doesn't know who I am, and I just go, hey, hi, how are you doing? And, you know, and he, I introduce myself, and he stands up, he's, oh, he's really busy, but really, there wasn't, there was nothing happening. Um, so I said, I come back to Dad, and I'm like, listen, there's nothing really to sell. <laughs> it's, 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 well, it's like, a, it's a plating plant, but there's only two tanks, and, and it really didn't have anything. So I said, well, the only way I can, I can gauge is, maybe I go have a look at some of the clients. So I, I looked at the client list, it was about 30, and I went to meet 30 clients out of which there was only four clients they were working with and, and um, you know, 26 very angry clients, <laughs> right? So I asked, I, 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 I walked in and um, I was 24 and I, uh, I walked in to meet the CEOs of these companies who are our clients. And Daniel, I was pleasantly surprised at the clients. They were really huge. And I was like, whoa, okay. Well, one thing they've done right is they've got some pretty big clients, right? When I met with the CEOs, and I introduced myself. Uh, I introduced myself as an owner. I just said, I'm, I'm, you know, our family's one of the, uh, I've invested in this business and I just wanted to check in with you on how things are going. And um, they were all full of complaints. 
Mm-hmm. But three things I heard. One was that, you know, you guys have fantastic quality. And we don't get this quality here very often. So we love your quality. And, and, and that was one thing that mentally I took a note of. The second was that they were just not getting service. There was no one seriously attending to them. I took a mental note. Mm-hmm. And then I asked a few more questions. Well, if I was to do those two things you spoke about, was give you good quality yeah. and ensure that I give you good service, what would you need? He said, well, you know, punctual delivery. Sometimes we need delivery at three in the morning. You need to attend to our, our quotations, make sure that your inquiries are attended to. I said, okay, what if I give you a quotation back in an hour? Would that be acceptable to you? He goes, yes. I said, well, I promise you one thing. Starting today, we're going to get any inquiry you have in one hour, you'll get the quotation. Would that work for you? Yes, fine. I promise you that I'll give you good quality. But in return, can you promise me I'll get all your work? And he goes, yes. And I said, okay, perfect, you have a deal. So I did this with about, uh, I visited like 20, 30 clients. And when I came back and gave my report to dad, (laughs) there was a trend. There was a lot of angry clients who were crying out for help because the sources that they had in vendors for that service at point in time were not really there. I was not an engineer. I did not know anything about plating, Daniel. But what I knew was how to connect with people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I listened with my heart what they wanted. So I came back to Dad and asked him, I said, do you want this company? And he said, no, I'm gonna sell it. I said, okay, I have an idea for you. Give me a year, I'll take over. But it has to be completely me taking over. If you don't want it, I'll take it. What do you think? And the sound of me staying here was so exciting. He said, yes, take it. <laughs> All right? So that's how I got, I got involved in, in Dubai. And, and I, took, I took this company uh, and I, I opened up the heart, first of all, and I listened to them. I cut ties with all other partners that were involved in the operations mm. and uh, I started to create a team. And we started out by writing down, the first thing I wrote down on the board, I'll never forget this, was the vision. And I remember my dad looking at me laughing, like, what are you doing? What is all this waste of time? I said, no, what's our vision? What do we want to do? What's the purpose behind this? And I never forget that. You know, Marami's come a very long way since then. But Daniel, it's humbling because uh, it, it was such uh, an amazing school for me. It's, you set the tone from the very beginning yeah. by actually creating a team culture which starts with the client first. Listening to the client rather than just you know providing them services. Listening to what they need. Listening to their problems. That vision where you just mentioned about, is it similar to, usually um, from the entrepreneur side, we're talking about North Star, the one metric that matter. Do you say you set the direction? You gave direction to the team and an end goal or at least a specific milestone? Yes. With the mission? Absolutely. Um, it, was, it was a defining moment in my life uh, and in the life of that, uh, or, you know, we created something new. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, being a startup at that point in time, reinventing uh, an industry, and I'll say industry because I remember we were the first ones that came out with a website in the industrial plating industry back in, you talk about 2000 now. Um, you know, I remember putting a tagline and, and, and how we marketed it. We said, you know, perfection guaranteed. Uh, I, I went ahead and became ISO certified, and we were the only company back then to be ISO certified for our plating. You know, in our process, and, and I was I was really excited about that. You know, yeah. so yes, there was a lot of achievements along the way, but a lot of learning. It was, you know, my biggest lesson was, you know, I 
I wasn't an expert. Remember, I'm not an engineer. I don't know anything about plating. So I had to listen, Daniel. It was, it was for the first time in my life that I realized that, you know, you need to connect with people. When you connect with people, they no longer work for um, the outcome. They work for the vision. They believe in the purpose. All I had to do was set the purpose. The engineers, the um, uh, technicians, they knew what they had to do. All they needed was the purpose and direction. I said, I'll take you towards the oil and gas. Let's do this. What yeah. stops us? Right? So we started hitting milestones one after another. And, and I saw belief happen, you know, for the first time. And it was, it was beautiful. And I did not know where I'm driving. A collective, actually, team effort working towards one goal rather than everyone in singular. And I, I did know. not know where we're driving, Daniel. I did not know what the end game was yeah. because I wasn't an engineer. But you followed your guts. You, you followed the instinct and also your awareness that you can connect to people. Absolutely. And you trust yourself. And, and, and I think that yeah. the best teachers are, when you're open, then people are very open back. That's and true. they teach you. That's the truth. So that experience, I mean, this experience lasts till today, till present. When did it start uh, for you to think more about that acting role, that acting Fantastic. interest in role? Because I mean, I looked online, I realized that you, one of the key values you emphasize, you focus on, is to putting yourself in the shoes of the other person. Yes. And that's very, very an association with like acting as well. You're putting yourself in the shoes of others. Yes. And that's you know, similar to business. In a business environment, you're putting yourself maybe in the shoes of the customer as well. And so empathy, uh, you know, yeah. empathy is something which everyone talks about, um, but how do you develop it, right? So, um, you know, when I so when I jumped into the, into the business and I, and I and I was running this business, there was a side of me that was always creative. I told you I wrote music, and yeah. um, when I started dating my wife now. Um, you know, she's from Bombay, and, and we met here when she was visiting on vacation. And um, uh, about a week later, I don't know if you know this, a week later, I ended up going to Bombay. I, I made some excuses. Dad, let's go buy some machinery. And Dad's like, okay. <laughs> you know? And I ended up going to Bombay to meet Arti. And, uh, and we started hanging out. And, and throughout the year, I must have gone three to four times. And every time I was there, people keep on coming up to me. And they're like, are you an actor? Are you? And they kept on throwing this our way, right? Uh, and, and why I say our way? Because she was with me. And she kept on looking at me and she goes, do you model or act? And I'm like, no. She goes, you should think about it. And I'm like, why? She goes, well, everywhere you, you are, you know, you have, um, you know, people have kind of always asked you that question. And it's been like four or five times it's happened to you here. And I remember it happened to me also in the States where uh, there was a gap ad back in the 90s. And, and someone had approached me in the mall and said, hey, we want you to come in and try out for this, the cast for this. So what I'm saying is that it was there and I didn't take it seriously. And she said it and I didn't really take it seriously. And then when we got married, um, again in Dubai, it, it happened again. And then she goes, you know, can I ask you something? Uh, let's just shoot a portfolio. Let's just shoot a portfolio for you. Yeah. And I said, okay. And uh, so we shot a portfolio and I was, I always, for me, it was always a perception that, oh, models are very good looking people. I don't, I can't be a model, right? I, you always have that mentality, at least back then, right? Um, so I was really surprised. And, and, and then, you know, we passed out my portfolio to a few agencies and the next thing you know, I'm getting calls for ads. Um, and suddenly I'm doing really big ads, you know, and, and TV commercials and ads, and I couldn't believe what's going on. And I was like, okay, that's kind of funny. 
Um, and when I was doing that, I had a natural transition towards acting because I always wanted to experience what is it like. Because you know, when you when you're in ads and you're playing a character, even an ad they tell you give you a character, you know, but you don't get to live it. You just have to represent it, and whether it's a still or it's it's just very stationary. But you don't really get a taste and feel it. Mm-hmm. So I started having this yearning where I need to get to go deeper. So I, I um, when I, I got into acting and I had this amazing acting coach, and uh, I remember telling her the most dumbest things. I want to be an actor. I want to learn how to act. And you know, and she's like, Oh yeah. And how do you think that is? And oh, I'll take some classes. And, and she just smiled. And um, you know, you know why she smiled is because she realized that you know what you don't know about acting is that you really have to get into it. You have to get into your emotion. It has to. You have to be it. You have to live it. You don't act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so she was instrumental in, in me moving into this yeah. this journey, you could say, um, to express emotions, to allow vulnerability, yeah. you know, um, and to truly live it, to really get into the moment and experience it. You know, it, it's, it's easy to say to get in someone's shoes, but can you get into someone's shoes and feel what they're feeling at that point in time? You can't because you define it as they. Mm-hmm. But when you redefine it as I, can I feel it? Mm-hmm. Because you are feeling it. Because you are experiencing it. It's no longer there. So you're no longer being someone else. Yeah. And it's humbling. How did that experience help you in your journey also with your business? You know, I... Because you did parallel, right? Absolutely, parallel, absolutely. It was, it was the most humbling thing. Because you see, when you run a business and it's your company, you know, you have a little thing with everyone's going oh he's the owner you're the boss you yeah. always have but when you're starting out something new you know, you're at the bottom of the food chain yes. and you've got to practice you've got to experience you've got to do really some, some stuff that could be humbling to your ego right so it taught me that you know it taught me that humility is, is, a, is a gift and it's, 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 a, it's an eternal gift that all of us have and if you can keep yourself grounded and allow this to be a, a space that you can come from and allow yourself to learn from it, you know, there, it has so much treasure to offer you. So it, it taught me that, you know, in life, if you want to follow your passions, you know, you have to work for it. You have to go out there and, and, and live it. And in that process, you're going to go through some situations where you're not going to be comfortable. Uh, or, or there might be a little ego slap here and there. Yeah? And it's okay. It's okay to do that because it makes you a better person for it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can become more empathetic, yeah, because you can understand when someone, even in a business deal, um, doesn't get it. It's okay. It's yeah. all right. Be forgiving, right? Because they're on that journey of exploration, like you are, right? But the part of listening is always important throughout Absolutely. any part. Absolutely. Yes. When it comes to the the last few years, the last years, I mean, this this is a whole this whole journey is becoming. Uh, um, um, the actor, the um, model working in that field, mm-hmm. right. that all worked parallel for how, many, how long many years, till literally today? I mean, I, I, I think till recently I stopped um, doing a lot of shoots just because it almost felt like it's been, you know, I, I've done so many that it got repetitive. Um, and the film industry here is very young. Um, there was not a lot of projects um, 
that had more work than extra roles. And um, at one point in time, I realized that there's a story to tell. And uh, I want to be involved in stories that actually can empower, you know. But I had to do what I've done in order to get more uh, knowing and more learning. I had to understand and connect whether was this something I really wanted to do, did I enjoy it. Um, so I did my bit. You know, I've done bits and pieces in some movies and, and, and minor roles, and, and I, I'll give you a really funny story. Uh, when Mission Impossible came up, um, there was about there was a, a casting for about, you know, hundreds of people came and they had to just have a small space, you know, where there's a party scene and people have to be there. And uh, a friend of mine calls me up and, and, and this agent, uh, you know, uh, my, my, my acting coach too was talking about this. And they were like, well, there's a scene, you should try out for this. And uh, one person gets their face in the movie and, and you know, you should try it. And I was like, ah, I don't want to do this because it's just an extra, what's the point? And she goes, and I remember, I'll never forget these words. She goes, where in the world would you get a better school than being on the same set as some of the world's best actors? and watching them up close and seeing them do what they do. Where else would you do that and get paid for it? All you have to do is, you know, be humble. Do it. Go try out. And I tried out, and next thing you know, I was selected. And I was selected as a stand-in for Anil Kapoor. All I had to do is a stand-in, so while they prepare all the cameras. But it gave me access to being with him, being with, uh, you know, Tom Cruise, uh, Brad Bird, and seeing how they act, how they rehearse, yeah. how amazing they really are, yeah. right? And at the same time, it allowed me just to observe, just to observe things. Yeah. Uh, and it was humbling, because Daniel, they work so hard and they're amazing. The observation itself. Amazing. Lesson, yeah. Of course they're great, because yeah. they work so hard. And it was, it was amazing, you know? Um, and, and um, I had a small little role where I had to bring this tray of phones, right? And um, it was a huge scene and, and it's very intimidating and I had to kind of bring the phones there. And there was no speaking role. And of course I was not really, I mean, I was, you could see my face, but it, the lighting and all was not very flattering. And I remember being a little embarrassed because like, oh, it's such a small thing. Yeah. But Daniel, it allowed me to be in that space and it allowed me to be in that movie uh, and even though it was a glimpse of what I can do, it also taught me how important it is to, you know, to follow your passions. And if that means that it starts from somewhere, then do what it takes. And uh, I'm very proud because I got, I got to be in the best school I've ever been in, uh, and I got paid for it. Uh, and it was very humbling, very, very humbling. Uh, so I, it, I, get, I always kind of laugh about experiences like that because you know, everybody has a story. Right. At that point in time, no one knows, oh, he's also got his businesses and he's, you know, Plus, yeah. that wasn't there. Yeah. But it didn't make a difference at that point in time because that was not what I was there to do. Actually, we define ourselves by just one thing. We are the XYZ founder Ex of. Exactly. We're not, we're not letting ourselves allow to explore more, exactly. to learn more in different fields. And that's the only way you can do that. Exactly. And after that, I did a few more things. Like yeah. from, I, did, I was there in Jin, uh, um, had a, a small speaking role there. Uh, I did something with NBC, a serial, an Arabic serial, and I had a, the English-speaking role there for a bit. So I mean, there's a lot of fun little things I've done. Now the next step in this transition is 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 now looking at actually you know making a movie which allows us to send a message mm -hmm. uh, and taking a bigger role in that. Yeah. Uh, I know we're in a film industry that's very young here, 
but that's the opportunity we have. We can create, we can develop, you know. Test. So, so absolutely. Yes. So here, maybe the next step for us would be to create it ourselves. Yeah. So that time where you actually took over the business from your father's side, um, that experience with the actor, would you say this is itself a chapter? Or is that a chapter which started at that time and still lasts? You know, yes, I, I, it is an ongoing chapter because I, in that journey, I also set up this company. Yes. Um, so yes, it, it, it's an ongoing chapter, and now, now this is a chapter that I continue to define. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that it, it would be very short-sighted for me to say the chapter is over. It's not. Um, I, I still am connected to both, uh, to everything that I do, and mm -hmm. that's why I, I always believe you have to live your passions, yeah. love what you do. Yeah. Um, and then there's no beginning or end. It yeah. just continues to flow. Definitely. Yeah. So this chapter, when you say this is both the business, the acting, even what you currently started, um, it's mind, body, soul. How would you define that chapter? What is that title, if you give it a title? Because it think includes a lot of elements in there. It's, yes. Um, um, the, the mind, body, soul for me was, was when I, I connected to purpose, I think. I mean, this is when... For the first time, I realized that, you know, I had to define my purpose, and uh, this was an outlet for me. Uh, I needed to help humanize the corporate space. I saw that as a pain. Um, I spoke to a lot of people who, you know, were going through individual journeys, which, you know, obviously they were they were they were finding, um, I don't say reasons for not being happy, but but they, challenges and obstacles were in their life, mm -hmm. and kept on popping up to me, right? Whether it's talking to a client or, or um, you know, even if it's a CEO there, somehow they'd get into the personal story, right? Yes, yes, yes. Or, or like I told you, we were driving in the road, someone's cutting you off and people not smiling in the elevator. I started to notice these things and and I started to ask questions. And um, I said, no, well, well, you know, we have to define people to purpose. And remember that in doing this time, I've also been acting and, mm -hmm. and connecting to my deeper self. And yeah. I was working on myself. so. There's nothing that, that today we do at the Happiness Center that doesn't come from our own authentic self. I mean, literally, um, this journey that I am putting people through, this internal transformation or internal mm -hmm. journey, is one that I live. I've lived it, I continue to live it. And only because I know what it feels like to be on the other side or as I go through in this journey myself, I'm able to do what is needed. What, what I feel is really important is holding the space for others so that they too can explore, you know. What, is your, what are your current steps with the Happiness Center? What are your current focus areas uh, where you say, okay, this is something where we want to focus more on? Right. And maybe you can also explain where. Is it main, are you focusing currently only in Dubai, UAE, or? Well, I mean, you know, it's, 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 I like to call it, um, it's a baby. It's a, it's, a, it's a baby that's growing. Yeah. And it's, um, so when we got into the space, initially the need was the stress the, uh, the obvious stress that was around us. And um, so we got known in the first year of our journey as an executive retreat. We are known for our retreats. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, Maria joined me and I brought her in immediately and we hit it off. And, and we are, I know her as a friend before this and, and um, I love who she is as a person. And um, the funny thing is that we, we literally saw that the stress rele release... Um, People need outlets to understand how to release stress. So we, we help them go on an internal journey. And it's beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful journey when they're, they're experiencing a sound journey or a, a yoga that's dedicated to being able to do this at work and um, 
self-reflection, source circles where they, we can connect them with deeper meanings and deeper questions and allow them for perspective change. But it was like a band-aid because what it do, uh, does, uh, Daniel, is it feels really good when you're at it. it you, know, you feel amazingly empowered while you're in the retreat and then you go back to your daily yes. life. You keep forgetting. Yeah, and, and we started realizing after hundreds of people have done this with us and we continue to do it and it's an honor for us. We love it. It's the most um, magical experience for us because we see such amazing transformation with people, just how they experience it and how they allow themselves to go within and, and, and to be vulnerable when they answer the questions and to explore. But then we also see that part where they go back to their life and then the transformation hasn't occurred. So me and Maria asked questions, deeper questions, and we said, okay, well, we've successfully got the retreats going. But is it creating transformation? No lasting impact. Exactly. Yeah. How do we help someone go in this journey? Mm -hmm. So last year we started doing a lot of sessions and talks and um, programs. And we spent the year talking about different things from mental wellness uh, to uh, emotional intelligence uh, to various different creative exploration. Um, and it was very well received. Again, uh, we've got a lot of prestigious clients that are, that are humbling. We, we love working with them. Um, Again, we asked ourselves a question at the end of the year. We said, okay, what have we achieved? And we said, yes, fantastic. We were able to create awareness on topics that are very important to them. But did we create transformation? Yes. We asked that question again. And we said, well, definitely there is awareness getting created. So yes, it's important. But did we answer the transformation question? No, not, not yet. We haven't got there. So I said, okay, well, now we got to go deeper to the root. We have to have it live from top down. If you want transformation, people have to embrace it, you know, take it in. So I got certified in something I'm very passionate about. Uh, as you may have already told by now, it's, it's purpose and values. Um, so I got certified in something called the Barrett Certified um, Barrett um, uh, Value System. And now Richard Barrett's program is amazing because it, it, it talks about seven levels of consciousness. And in essence, it talks about values that are love-based and fear-based throughout seven different levels. And I resonated with that because I think it's very, very beautiful when you can identify values that are innate to you. And some of them may come from a limiting space, which if you bring awareness to, you can work towards moving out of. And if they come from a space of love, then it's empowering right where it is. Yeah. And we all have personal values, but companies have core values identified. But the gap that was missing was the personal values and the core values don't always align. Because the core value could be set by one, two, or four or five people from the top management. But an organization is living. You have all levels of people yeah. that have to connect to that purpose. So we have to make them ask questions of purpose and identify their personal values. So last year, we started, I'm sorry, this year, our focus has been on corporate cultural alignment and transformation. And so as you can see, our, our, our journey continues to get deeper. Yes. We've, we've started defining it as a seven-step journey into corporate wellness now and it deepens them further. We also have something called the Integrated Happiness System, which is, for the first time ever, a program that allows companies to adopt happiness within a systematic format, and they have different modules, mm -hmm. and they have to set objectives and measurements, and guess what? It's not about just go out there and do things, but guess what? For the first time in your life, you're gonna live it. You're gonna measure it, you're gonna feel it. 
and you've got to integrate it in your business yeah. practices. So it's no longer, let's go out there and do something special for a Women's Day. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. It's actually throughout the day. Exactly. It's about yeah. choosing these deep topics that we've selected that we know impact happiness and well-being and then allowing them to set their own objectives so that they can literally, at that point in time, start to identify with their culture. See, Daniel, what's important to you and what's important to me is different. Yeah. So for me to tell you what to practice is, is like creating dependence all over again. Yeah, but true. if I allow you to create your own, and all I do is hold the space for you, that by itself creates a transformation because it allows you to transform at what you need to do. That's correct. So, so that's why the IHS is so special, and this is a program that we're now we're bringing in for a lot of corporates. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting a lot of excitement. People are very excited to hear more about it. Um, and hopefully this year, be launching a lot of these programs through our organization so they can start measuring where they are and then start implementing real practices that enable them to transform their organizations. And see actually that the change, as you say, transformation of the organization, the change, the impact for exactly. the better so exactly. that organization can actually more or less achieve their uh, KPIs as well. Exactly, exactly. It's and and, them, and it's, it's moving away from the, the, the need mm-hmm. for people to feel that they're doing something wrong. Yeah. A lot of uh, I was recently speaking in a conference uh, on a panel, and um, the question was, "What else can we do better?" So I stopped the discussion for a second and I said, "Let's recognize that everyone in this room has come here because they there is acknowledgement that they can, they're doing so much right already. So let's acknowledge mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, don't make this about the failures. Yeah. Make it about the success, yeah. and allow this to be uh, an opportunity for you to embrace a uh, transformation that you that you want and and yeah. and." And do it at your pace, yeah? And, and that's what Maria and I are doing. We're trying to allow it. So if someone needs uh, inspirational talk for now, fine. If they need a session with more um, a new topic uh, introduction, fine, yeah? If they need an eight-week mindfulness program, fine. We can give them that too. But ultimately, our goal is, you know, if we can align the corporate values and, and the personal values of people so the culture is aligned, and then allow them to put these practices in place that, that really live their happiness, uh, well-being, then it's, it's a system that, that is just like uh, a baby. It'll start to grow, start to nurture, they'll start to find their own way. And then it'll turn from being happy, sorry, from, live, uh, from, uh, from doing things. So I like to say moving from doing to being. You know, so we can move you from doing to being. That is really happiness. The pure happiness of clients you see are the clients who don't need you. Absolutely. They can transform themselves by themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... When it comes down to the last three years, um, I would love to know that what is the name of the chapter? What is like the, right, because there is so much involved. There was on right. the business side, there was the actor and the acting. Everything is currently parallel, actually. Yeah. Which would me, lead me to another question also, how do you deal with everything at the same time? Right. Um, right. How would you, when you say this would be, oh, this, this is all one chapter, it can have a lot of sub-chapters and so on, but when you give it like a bigger time, Doing to being. So I, I speak about it and I'm actually living it. Um, and to answer your question, how do I balance it? I don't put pressure on myself. I, I allow it to be natural and I allow it to do it. I'm only involved with things because I love to do it. Um, those things I don't like to do, I don't do it. <laughs> it's really, um, and some things are not fun. I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, the business world is really big, as you know, on networking. Um, and, yeah. and participating in our yeah. networking. And you will not see me in too many networking events. Yeah. Um, and a lot of um, 
a lot of people have, have, have tried to push me more into directions. Why don't you join these organizations and do this and do that and the other? But you know, I, I need to be myself. And, and uh, you know, if I'm in a space where everyone's trying to sell themselves and, and push, you know, push agendas, I don't find myself being too authentic there because I, I feel like it, it's the idea of meeting someone is always, for me, it's, it's, it's an honor to meet someone, to spend that time with someone. And it's not about what I'm trying to get out there. It's just because I'm, I, I want to, I really want to interchange with that person, get to know them and, and vice versa. So that's the kind of reciprocal meetings that I really enjoy, you know? Uh, whereas networks for me feel a little shallow. Uh, not that I don't enjoy meeting new people. It's just that I need, I need the, for me personally, yeah. I need it to be more authentic. I need I, it to come from a space. I of, totally understand you. Yeah, for me, it's networking events. And it usually starts with someone is not looking into your eyes, but he's giving you the business, business card in the hand. Yes. Then you realize that's not necessarily the event, or it's not necessarily the person you exactly. want to know more about. Exactly. exactly. Um, and I have a hard time with that because I like to know about everyone. So it, it puts me in a space where I'm like, I, I don't know what's going on here. But when know. they first hand out the business cards, yes. I mean, I'm, I'm already in the wrong place. I'm already in the wrong place. Exactly. Because I'm not even looking in the people's eyes. Exactly. It's 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 usually has it's usually that kind of you know stereotype where people think this is the only way to give each other exchange each other contact returns. All right, actually for me right now I want to slowly wrap up, but Perfect. important for me is to know you know when we look into the book, there's in every book a copyright section right. I mentioned before. Things oh, I should not copy, things that I should not do. Usually we say to people, don't do that, do, don't do that, parents, don't do that, don't do this. Are there any lessons you want to give to young people to say, yes, it's important that you experience it, but don't make the same mistake. Don't try to do that in that way. Are there certain ways where don't copy it? <laughs> you know, I, I feel that if I was to look back at every stage or everything that I've done, I've always seen value. I think that the biggest mistakes that I've made have taught me so much. So to tell someone not to do something is allowing them not to learn from an experience that could have so much value, right? But if I was to say that, how can I give them a tip uh, on maybe lessening the impact of any mistake that we make moving forward? is ensure that everything that we do comes from the space of being. Really do it because you want to do it. Don't do it because you feel you have to do it or because someone feels it's the best thing to do, but because you really connect to it. Your body is a compass. You know, we have this amazing way of being able to tell what is right. You know, our body can tell us that. Listen to it. You know, uh, so this is something which I, I really believe in is, is, is just allow yourself to, uh, to come from that space. And if you can come from that authentic space, you know, you minimize the impact of some mistakes. Um, that said and done, you know, as you heard me say earlier on, I mean, the whole idea for what we're trying to do is to create independency so we don't have dependency, you know. But would I take away the experience that, that may have created dependency? Mm. No, I think if I hadn't experienced it, I wouldn't know what it is not to have it, right? You know what I'm saying? So, 
I don't know if I've answered your question. No, actually, it, it is, uh, you answered it correctly, actually. Uh, there is no right and wrong, but it's a way of it's authentic answer yeah. to a way to say, don't prevent mistakes, actually experience it, because they actually learn more. Because yeah. if someone tells you not to do it, you're not going to learn it necessarily. All right, so I want to go back to the book quickly. And when I have the book, these chapters are read for the book, and I turn it around, I see again the title page, and I see that reflective cover. <clears throat> what title will it have, the book? I love that. You mean the summary of the book, right? The, literally the title of the book, yes. The sum, the, <laughs> not the summary of the chapter, literally not the, yeah, summary the summary of, of everything. Of everything. <laughs> what is the title of the book? You know, I, I see something very strange, and if I say this, you might laugh, but... I would like to be that book where, you know, there's, there's, there's a line, there, there's some empty lines there, and it says, fill in your purpose. So, the title is more or less <coughs> customizable towards each person who is... So, if my story has allowed you to reflect, or at least got you to go into a state where you want to go and reflect, then maybe my life had some purpose, right? Because okay. empowerment is not about what you do with it. It's about allowing you to want to do something about it, right? And if that's that's the message, if it allows you to go, hmm, who am I? Yeah. And I love what you said earlier, I am enough, absolutely you are. And that's very true. But often we, yeah, very true. And we need to be aware of, that's very true. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Rashif. Thank you so much for Thank taking the time and yeah, for taking the time today. I love this journey. Thank you for Thank having you me. Thank you so much. All right. I put all the links in the uh, show notes and also obviously the links in the mind. Excellent. So Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. So much. Thank you. Thank you. How often do we speak with people and not spend enough time to truly connect with them? If I recall my conversations, quite a lot. But in this fast-changing world, we often forget to connect and to learn to listen. Only then we can learn and grow. Truly an inspiring interview and life story from Rashif Jaswani. You can find more about the Mind, Body, Soul Happiness Center at happinesscenter.com. I put all the links in the show notes. Alright, give me a shout out if you are keen to hear more about mindfulness life books. People will truly connect with people. And please suggest speakers, topics, uh, also about critical learnings, worth sharing for millennials. And reach out to me on Instagram and Twitter at ByDanielLutwig. Just don't forget, never give up, always look up. See you next time.